Well, when our oldest son, Nick, was first accepted to the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, it was a very exciting time. This was a dream come true for Nick, and it has set him on a path that's just been so exciting and rewarding. But as with a lot of dreams come true, reality sets in pretty fast, doesn't it? College life at a military academy, for example, is a lot different than college life anywhere else. It's hard. Where are my military folks around here? You know, right? We've got a few who are in the military academies right now. It is not easy. It is a different world. So while balancing academics and physical fitness and military performance, social expectations, getting those corners tight on the edges of the bed, you can imagine that uh, Nick developed a little bit of his own personal philosophy on how to get through this time. So one night he was on the phone with my husband, Tim, and me, and um, we were having a conversation about it. And he said, you know, I can't be perfect at every single thing, every single day, day in and day out. I just know I can't. And so he said, I'm balancing it all by just shooting for the bare minimum of excellence. And so I liked that he wasn't just trying to slide by in life, but he was also giving himself a little wiggle room. And psychologists actually agree that leaving room for ourselves to not be perfect is probably the mark of a pretty healthy mental attitude. They say that there is, in fact, a difference between striving for excellence and demanding perfection from ourselves. There's a lot to be said, of course, for lofty goals and having high standards and working hard, but we know that perfectionism has gotten the best of us when we get so focused on our fear of not succeeding. We start achieving and doing only out of a sense of fear of failure. We, uh, we see things in black and white, right and wrong, and being perfect becomes about these binary things, and, and that becomes our singular focus. Not succeeding at the highest levels is an unimaginable failure for people who are so locked into perfectionism. And we all do it at times. But here's the worst part. We can never achieve at that level all the time because we live in a broken world. We simply can't maintain that. And so for those of us who might get too caught up in perfectionism, we wind up despondent and depressed at our lack of ability to save the world, to save the environment, to rid the world of the scourge of war and political corruption, or even to just fix a failed relationship. In other words, our perfect ideals can lead to an utter lack of trust that anything can ever be made right again. And so we give up defeated. The key, these experts say, is to realize that something can be worthwhile, even if it's not perfect. We can still achieve, we can still make headway, we can still have high standards and lofty vision, and we can be okay with a bare minimum of excellence sometimes. And I believe sometimes we have to look at our faith that way. Maybe we place too much of our own perfectionist tendencies on Jesus' message of grace. 
Here's what Jesus said today in our scripture reading. He said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can tell this mulberry tree to uproot itself and be planted over there in the sea. But here's what we hear when we hear that reading. Geez, guys, all you need is a little faith, right? Have more faith and you can do amazing things. Where's your faith? We hear. Now, Jesus had just given the disciples a task that they were so afraid they would not be able to do. The disciples had come to Jesus, therefore, saying, increase our faith. We don't, we're not going to be able to do this thing that you've asked. What he asked was so difficult, so out of the norm, so hard, that they were stricken with fear of what he asked of them. They couldn't imagine that they would have the strength to do this thing. Now, what Jesus was asking was not that they move mountains, not that they rid uh, empires and dismantle uh, unjust systems. It wasn't that they achieve world peace in their lifetime. No, the task that Jesus was giving them was this, forgiveness. That was the task that they saw as so hard. Jesus said to them, if someone sins against you, but repent, you must forgive them. Even if it's a personal attack, and even if they do it over and over again, if they come back to you, and they say, I'm sorry, I won't do it again, you must forgive. Now, I know you can all imagine scenarios in your lifetime where you've been in this situation, and you think, why don't they just get their act together? What is the matter with them? Why am I always the one that has to forgive? Why can't they change? I know you've had moments in your life like this, and this is where the disciples were when they came asking Jesus for more faith. They hear him saying this about forgiving over and over again. And this is on top of all the other hard teachings that Jesus has been sharing throughout scripture. And they say, increase our faith. Jesus, we can't do this. We need more. We don't understand some of this stuff. It's hard to follow. It's hard to obey this. It's hard to even grasp it at times. Increase our faith. We need more we're not getting it, they say to him. We want to be the best. We want to be perfect like this. We do this all the time, don't we? We think to ourselves, I prayed for this job or for that relationship or about this illness, but I guess I didn't pray hard enough. I wasn't good enough. I keep asking God to give me clarity and help me with these decisions, but God's gone radio silent. Maybe I just don't have enough faith, he says. Kate Bowler is a theologian and professor at Duke University, and she was diagnosed with incurable cancer at the age of 35 when she had just had her first child. She writes that suffering is not proof of a lack of faith. And I love this. She says, we're not that powerful anyway. She says, we are not powered by our own belief. Something else is at play here. She says we are finite and fragile and held up anyway. So I don't think Jesus is telling us just to have a little more faith. 
I think he's asking us to intentionally seek the right kind of peace. Part of the reason that I think this is because Jesus uses such an odd metaphor in this text this morning. If you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you could uproot this mulberry tree and cast it into the sea, he says. It's almost like he just kind of like looked around and, and pointed out the first thing that he saw. Like if, if you had faith the size of a mustard tr- seed, you could just uh, uproot that shed over there and cast it into the sea. It's an odd metaphor. And I don't know about you, but if I had a choice to do anything that I wanted with my faith, I can think of a few things I would do besides casting a mulberry tree or a shed into the sea. What about violence and war? I'd like to cast those into the sea. What about homelessness, addiction, mental health issues? I'd cast those into the sea. I'd like to cast cancer into the sea. What about putting an end to sinister and tyrannical ways of dictators like Putin? Cast those into the sea. How about some of our politicians who grandstand and they talk about Christian values and making America great, but who know nothing of the gospel message of Jesus that commands us to care for the least of these? I'd like to cast a few of those into the sea. But here's what I suspect. Jesus isn't telling us to have more faith so that we can have a world to our own liking. He is telling us that even the smallest amount of faith in him will bring about a world to his liking. And he will use anything and everything to make it so, including our own suffering, our own challenges, and our own imperfections, all of them regardless of who we are. Jesus uses the image of the mustard seed as if to say, you already have all you need. Yes, it will grow. Yes, it will flourish. Stop trying to make it perfect, he seems to say. Stop trying to understand everything. Just do as I say. Eyes on me. The quality of our faith matters more than the quantity of it. Remember this image, too. If a mustard seed is planted, watered, given appropriate sunshine and fertile soil, and it has the right conditions, it will mature. I found all these images of mustard seeds from germination to sprout, and it's all mustard. The seed, the sprout, the seedling, the bud, all the way to the magnificent tree. It's all the mustard seed. Being biggered, <laughs> bigger didn't make it more mustardy. It's just the essence of the mustard itself. So what is the essence of our faith? Well, let's look at a few of the things that Jesus says. Because he talks about what makes right faith, even if it's imperfectly small. So here are some of the things that Jesus says. These are examples of quality, not quantity. It's not about big, bigger, or best. This is what he says. He says, faith is persistence in reaching out to God. 
We know this because one of the stories that we hear in the Bible is uh, of a man who's paralyzed, and his friends want to take him to Jesus to be healed. They hear that Jesus is in town, and they come to the the home where Jesus is going to be speaking and, and teaching. And when they get there, the house is crowded beyond belief. They can't even get to the front door of the house to get their paralyzed friend and his stretcher in to see Jesus. But they're persistent. So they go around to the back, up to the top, and they cut a hole through the roof itself and lower their friend down to the feet of Jesus. That's persistence in reaching out to God. The other thing that Jesus tells us faith is, is trusting in God's power and authority. We hear a story of the centurion. A centurion was a a Roman leader. They demanded power and authority in their time. But this one centurion had a servant that worked for him who was dying. In other places in scripture, they call this this person his son. They had a close relationship, and the centurion was devastated. He knew that Jesus was there nearby, so he sent people to bring Jesus to his home to heal this servant. But then as Jesus got near to his home, he called him off, and he said, you know what? Jesus, don't call me. I am not worthy that you come under my roof, but only say the word, and my servant will be healed. And then he went on to say to Jesus, I know what it's like to have authority. I tell people to come, and they come. I tell people to go, and they go. All you have to do with your authority is say the word, and he will be healed is faith. By the way, those are the words that our brothers and sisters in the Catholic Church speak every time they receive communion. They say, Lord, I'm not worthy that you would come under my roof, but only say the word, and I shall be healed. I love knowing why we do what we do in our liturgy. So faith is trusting in God's power and authority above all other powers and authorities. Faith is also responding to God's grace and forgiveness with love. You may remember the story of Jesus going to dinner at uh, some religious leaders' homes, and their home, and there was a woman there who was a known sinner, which you have to love, because aren't we all? But she was there with Jesus, and she began anointing him, anointing his feet with her tears, because he said she is forgiven of all that she has committed and said. She is forgiven. And her reaction, her response to that was was reeking with gratitude and anointing Jesus in gratitude. So responding to God's grace and forgiveness with love. Fear is also not, (laughs) faith is also not letting fear get the upper hand. We may remember the story of Jesus being in a boat with his friends and a storm came up on the sea. And the friends started waking Jesus up, who for some odd reason was able to sleep through the entire catastrophe. And they said, Jesus, we're dying. We're perishing here. And he said, no, you're not. And Jesus calmed the seas. We can't let fear get the upper hand when we know that Jesus is with us always. Faith is also taking risks that challenge the status quo. One of my other favorite stories is of a woman who had a bleeding disorder. She was hemorrhaging for 12 years. Now, in those days, women couldn't even be in public. They couldn't even go out when they were menstruating. So bleeding for 12 years meant she was racked with isolation and emptiness and loneliness. She heard Jesus was in the neighborhood, 
And she said, if I can just get close to him, I'll be healed. So she took a risk. She left her home. She got into a crowd where people could touch her. That was unheard of back then. But she did it. She challenged the status quo and said, I need God right now. That's faith. Faith is also praising God. We have the story of the ten lepers whom Jesus healed. He sent them off to, to be healed in the waters and then to go report to the priest for a blessing. Every single one of them were healed of leprosy, but only one came back. And he came back praising God and thanking Jesus for what he had done for him. Faith remembers God in great things. Faith is also having confidence in God's desire for justice. There's a story of a widow who went to a judge saying, I need help. I need help with, with this case that has come against me. And the judge ignored and ignored and ignored, and the woman persisted and persisted and persisted because she knew that God wants justice in this world. And she got what she wanted. She got what, what she had coming to her. Faith is also asking for what we need. There's a story of a blind man who, again, heard Jesus was nearby. And when he, he, he couldn't see Jesus, but, of course, when he heard him nearby, he said, Jesus, have mercy on me. And Jesus turned to him and said, what is it that you want? What do you want me to do? And the man said, I want my sight back. Be ready to ask God for what you need. Be specific about what you need. Our faith encourages us to ask for it. And finally, faith is knowing that we don't know it all. None of us does. Faith requires humility. It requires a little wiggle room for us to not be perfect. We're not going to get it right all the time. The disciples didn't get it right all the time. We hear messages like, uh, when Jesus was trying to explain to them that he needed to leave, that, that he was going somewhere they couldn't go, they said, Jesus, we don't understand. The scripture says they understood nothing. Another time Jesus said to Peter, um, do you still not understand what I've been trying to tell you? The disciples weren't perfect, neither are we. Knowing that we don't know it all allows us to be flexible. It allows us to learn from other people to tolerate differences, to be okay with uncertainty and the unknown. All of these examples that I've given you, by the way, are found in the Gospel of Luke, which is where our reading comes from this morning. There's a theme of faith in Luke's Gospel. What does it mean to have right faith? These are vastly different stories coming from all kinds of different people, and the overriding message is that your faith is enough. However big or small, however visible, or however faint, it is enough. The right kind of faith is not based on dogma. It's not based on trying to be perfect in order to get into heaven, as if God had a grading scale to begin with. It doesn't say, my faith is bigger than yours, it isn't liberal, conservative, fundamentalist, progressive. 
It isn't weaponized in the hands of politicians. The right kind of faith, according to Jesus, cares for the sick, the homeless, the people on the margins. It cares for people in prison and for foreigners. The right kind of faith allows human beings, imperfect human beings, to enact laws and systems that prove how we care for the least of these, the most vulnerable people in our population. Not just about our own causes and our own pet projects, but the right kind of faith knows that God commands us to love one another, to care for the most vulnerable, and to prove it. Faith is most powerfully expressed and tangibly felt when it is keyed into action. Let me say that again. Most powerfully expressed and most tangibly felt when it involves action. So action. Act in faith. However big or small it may be. However doubtful you may be that you even have any of it. Act in faith. And then watch those mountains move. Watch those tyrants and kingdoms and hearts be moved. Watch forgiveness move within you. Watch as that mulberry bush gets cast into the sea and miraculously takes root there. Miracles can happen. Amen. Let us pray.